we have become metrics obsessed and we begin to look at moving the number, not having the impact. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. Mike, you are bringing back some memories for me. Um, I feel like I'm back in coaching youth baseball on JustBats.com because my son wants a new bat. There you go. And I'm loving loving the the new uh, math hat. You like that? The new – that is some sick new work from the Nats, baby. Hey, do you think we can get JustBats.com to um, sponsor this podcast since we just gave them a, a plug and you're wearing their shirt? Can, can, can certainly ask. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're smack dab in their demo, right? Yep, exactly. Have you, uh, had, had you, did you know about them prior to, prior to me? Uh, did, you, did you order from them? Yeah, I bought from them before. Oh, okay. I wasn't, you, would, you think I was – do you think I was saying that just for effect on our show? I don't know. I'm just asking. I, I, it's a legitimate question. Um, yeah, I, I bought from them. Um, then who is that? Uh, who's, I, we're going to talk about stuff no one cares about. Who is that company that's in Laurel? I know they, exactly who you're talking about. They oh. sell nationally. They're in that same – it's not It's not. Yeah. East Bay. It's not um, – Academia, it's uh, it doesn't matter. I can't remember. I, I used to. Oh, I spent hours in that place getting stuff. Uh, between that and um, I can't chuck something as rather guitar center when I back when I was DJing. I used to spend a lot of time in there. <laughs> I think one day you should do you should do a do a uh, yeah for us they, a little bit. They don't even make the stuff anymore that I use. Man, yeah. I'm I'm a soul. I I am a dinosaur. All right, so let's talk about something that probably people care about versus uh, – what about JustBallGloves.com? Just oh, I'm sorry, owns, what? JustBallGloves.com. Just Bats owns them as well. No, nah, never, never, never even heard of them. Never, never heard – yeah, just, it's, it's not as traffic. With speaking just of traffic, ball gloves? Just ball gloves. Baseball oh, gloves. ball gloves. Just ball gloves. I'm like, wow, they make they make gloves just for ball ball. I'm like, wow, that's a very I heard a niche, but um. so listen. So speaking of traffic, you said something which I'm very intrigued at, which we talked just very briefly about before we uh, before we hopped on. Um, you said you're writing a post about why you don't care about blog traffic. Yes, I do not care about blog traffic. That is correct. In general, but I would assume that you care about valuable blog traffic. Um, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I want someone other than my mom to read. I mean, I want my mom to read my blog post. Don't get me wrong. Mom, please. Um, no, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I want, I want my mom to read um, – I don't, I have no idea why I just said that again. Yes. I, I, I mean, obviously I want people to read the blog and, and that is technically traffic, but um, I'm talking about the, the data point, the metric of, of traffic. Um, I, and, and I get, you know, so we'll talk about that today and I, and I will get into what I do care about, what I, what I do watch, which, you know, which, which has traffic metrics. But I think that, 
So it's funny. I was at, I was in Greensboro, North Greensboro, North Carolina last week. Luckily you weren't there this week because they just got crushed by snowstorm. I got out about 36 hours before the snowstorm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was very grateful for that. Greensboro getting 12 inches of snow in early December. That's bizarre. Um, and I was talking to a um, – we were kicking off a, a program with a sales team. Um, and we were talking about content utilization and how, how you can use content. And I don't know if you know this or not, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've said it to you. But I've, I've actually been blogging, officially blogging since 2005. We posted yeah, our no, first no, no, blog no, post no. in 2005. So we've been, we're, it's going to be 15 years. Uh, we're coming up on, I guess, 14 years. I can't add details. And, uh, you know, I was, I was making a point to them. And, and I, I, you know, I started off saying, um, I've been blogging since before blogging was cool. And then two sales guys interrupted me and said, hey, Doug, it, it's not cool again. And I said, yeah, I guess that's true. I've been through the whole bell curve, right? <laughs> no one blogged, everybody blogged, and we're back to blogs don't matter. Um, and I said, you know, I, had, I actually felt like I, have an, I had an advantage. Um, and this, this is, is going to be in the blog post that I'm writing. Um, I had an advantage that I started blogging before you really even had traffic analytics. As a matter of fact, I was blogging six months before Google Analytics existed. I looked it up. Google so Analytics. You had, no, so you had no idea who was coming to your site. You had no idea how much traffic. Or you well, very little insight into that. Well, well, by the way, just so everybody knows, my traffic when I was blogging. Um, so, so if you look at 2005 to 2010, in 2000, I'm sorry, actually 2011. I know this because I was researching it. In, in 2011, I was asked by the American Marketing Association to come speak to the Baltimore chapter to talk about blogging for business because it was becoming a thing. Um, and I didn't want to just get up and talk about, oh, you know, here's how you should blog. Here's why, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to have that, you know, just, just the, the trivial stuff. It was actually pretty funny looking at the deck. Um, the, the second slide starts off and, um, you know, it says something that basically has, you know, an objective viewpoint. And then the next slide puts the no over it. And I say, you know, make no, you know, th there's not going to be anything objective in here. I'm, you know, maniacally favorable for blogging. Now, what that made me think of is, I mean, what, it's 2018? Just seven years ago, in the pre-blogging craze phase, less than seven years ago, there was debate about whether or not businesses should block. Right. I mean, we're, we're, we're in less than seven years. We're, we're now in the debate of should businesses still block, but, but there's no question that they, so it's kind of interesting to think about how fast how it fast went from being controversial to, to yeah. not. Yeah. And, and so what I wanted to do was I, I wanted to get up and say, look, it, it's blogging for business. So there's gotta be a business impact. And, and so I sat down and I actually monetized what the impact of blogging was. And I, I basically stopped, I identified six areas and I basically stopped once the calculation was above $2 million. I mean, I was able to very easily, I was a small business, but very easily to demonstrate that blogging had driven a $2 million impact 
if you go back and you look at my traffic, when I did that, I, I was getting less than 500 visits a month total. So I don't, I don't, I think it would be safe to say blogging was not a traffic driver because I didn't have enough traffic to consider anything driven. If, if you get what I'm saying. And so one of the advantages that I had was I didn't think about traffic as a metric. I didn't think about search. I still called search voodoo back then. I, I, I still, still sometimes call it voodoo. Yeah. I still kind of call that today. Um, and, and, you know, it was, it was really about 2010, 2012. If you think about it, blogging and search crossing the, the fulcrum from being this e-com, pure digital um, thing over here to actually being something that, that business executives, mid-market business executives would talk about. They, they kind of, coalesced at the same time, probably driven all by the whole inbound craze. And I still remember, I was actually talking, when I was talking to this group in Greensboro, I, I still remember when I started talking to HubSpot about using their product. And, and they started off telling me about, you know, why, you know, all the benefits of blogging. And I'm like, yeah, yeah dude, I've been blogging for five years, right? This is 2010. Um, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. So, and th they started talking about traffic, 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 this traffic, CTAs, all this stuff that, that I realize is now, you know, basic stuff today. I actually fought them on it. I'm like, look guys, I don't care. Like I'm not, I'm not blogging to get new people. The reason this story came up when I was talking to the sales team is I was setting up what I wanted to get from them. And if you look at the first four or five years of my blogging, I would say half of the, of the posts on, on the blog were, were caused by a conversation I had had with somebody that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. I, I still remember being at a meeting with a client, driving back, being really frustrated that this person didn't get what I was trying to tell them. And, and on the drive back, I'm thinking about, you know, he doesn't understand this and he doesn't understand that. And he doesn't understand this other thing. And then I got back to my office, sat down at the computer and I started typing. I started writing a blog explaining to all these things to him. And it actually ended up being a pretty good blog. And then I sent it to him and I said, Hey Mike, it's, kind of funny what you and I were talking about because it's actually been something we've been thinking about for a little while since, since our meeting. I didn't say that in the email. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've been working on a blog. You know, we've been, we've been working on some things. I'm curious, what do you think about this? He called me back and he said, Doug, this makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, no, I, yeah, man, we got it. Yeah, we, we, you can help us do this. And it was like I was talking to a different person. And, and I'd write the next one. And, and, and half of the things were driven by either something I wanted to say after the fact. Then I began to think about, hey, I got a meeting with you in three weeks. I'm like, well, what do I want you to know before I talk to you? And I'd write a blog about that. And then I'd send it to you. And, and, and then I'd say, hey, Mike, 
I know we're going to be meeting in, you know, another week or so. Um, why don't you give this a read? What, and, and when we get together, let's talk about how this connects with you, et cetera, right? And so um, I, I stopped doing sales collateral. Like all of a sudden, like all my brochures, I and mean, this is back in the day where you saw the print stuff, right? That was still, I, I, what I found was my blogs, my, my blogs told the story of what I did less commercially than any piece of commercial communication I could have ever collateral had. you could have done, right. right. So, but, so are you saying that you've, and this might be the wrong, would ask, are you saying that you've moved away from that? Because I can tell you literally three weeks ago, and, and I think that's the way we focus on our blog as well, is they're all generated from some area of frustration or, hey, they didn't get the point. In fact, we just wrote a blog post. Uh, no, that's not where most blog. Oh, you said that's where your blog posts come from. Yes, yeah, so that, that's where they come from. And I, we literally wrote a blog post called Eight Reasons Why You Should Not Use Send Time Optimization. And it went out to the prospect, one of our prospects read it, and he wrote me back and he was like, this is brilliant. This makes all the sense. Just like what you said, this makes all the sense in the world. Maybe I need to do a little bit more before I'm ready for the job. Okay. And, but that, that I agree. That's where our blog is centered around is like those, those, those frustrations or things that people just don't understand. So are you saying, I don't, I, I don't read enough blogs, but are you saying that a lot of people don't focus in those areas? I didn't mean to be. Well, no, that's, that's, that, I, think, I, I would say that's actually not where most blogs come from. Um, most blog topics are driven far more from, from a theoretical place, but what I will say we've moved away from that if for no other reason than there's only so many of those posts right. you can write before you, you, you've covered the vast majority and then you begin to span that out. Now, now I, I will say, and I've always said this, um, and, and it's, it's interesting. We imagine does okay from search. We've never paid attention to search. We've never thought keyword optimization um, as a matter of fact, the only time I've ever thought that was a period of time that our search traffic went down and, and I'm sure we screwed up, right? I, I know we talked, I, I, I know you have Ivan, he's been doing some things that are, that are, and so I'm not, I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, um, but what, what we've always done again, since before it was cool, like I didn't realize that, that, I mean, someone, someone, um, I forget where, where I saw, but someone said to, to an executive at HubSpot, well, you guys created the whole idea of personas to begin with. And I'm like, uh, no, they didn't. Um, and, and, and so from the time I started, I've always thought ideal client profile, buyer persona. Um, we, we've, we've certainly become more sophisticated in, in defining that. But I've, I've, I've always written the content that we write from the perspective of, we're communicating to someone. So, so you'll see our blogs tend to be very, very conversational in tone uh, and, 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 and so forth. But blogging became mainstream at the same time SEO became mainstream. Yep. And, and blogging became a traffic generation, lead generation, as in lead volume generation tactic, right? And to quote Kip Bodner, 
I'm the chief marketing officer of HubSpot. Marketers fuck everything up. Um, I didn't say that. Kip Bodner said that. Well, I think a lot and, of people have said that. So, so the, you know, the, you know, studies came out that showed, oh, well, if you blog once a week, it does this. If you blog three times a week, it does that. If you blog daily, it does this other thing. Except that when those studies came out, it, it, it studied people that organically, and what I mean by organically is they, they, for some reason other than a study, they were blogging at a frequency. So, so I, I've always said, this blog didn't get more traffic and leads because it, it was three times per week and that one was one time per week. This got more because they had three times per week worth of stuff to say, right? And you've seen it. You've seen how many blogs today are just, um, I don't know, they're just empty something. It's like, yeah, it's they, like, don't, they don't, they don't make like me, iceberg they, they don't, they, they don't make me think they don't create any level of curiosity. It's like, right. Blah. Why, why are we writing those blogs? I mean, our initial, I, mean, I, I remember one year, so we had, we had gotten up to, to three times per week blogging and we said, you know, and our traffic shot up and then we said, you know what, we're going to five times per week. We're going to blog five times per week. All right. And so we, no, I'm sorry. I missed, I'm messing that up. We were doing two times per week and we went to three times per week. That's what it was. Um, and, and so we started figuring out what the calendar was we knew that I would not be able to, to, you know, I basically couldn't write more than I was writing. And I was probably doing about 60 to 70% of the two times per week. So we were going to have other people write this. We came out with all of these things. Now, why did we do that? Why did we decide we were going to go to three times per week? You read a, because going from two to, from one to two times a week was generating more traffic and, I don't know. Maybe you read a study that says you should blog three times a week and I, studies are studies, which is a whole nother topic. Right. So, very, so most studies are very, very biased. So, so I, you know, we had 10 X our traffic. We had gone from 500 to 5,000 and, and we were plateauing. And so I had a marketing director and we were talking about, well, we need to get traffic going. We need to get, we need to re-energize traffic. Let's blog three times per week. Guess what? Guess what happened to our traffic? Traffic went down. It didn't go down, but it didn't go anywhere. We started blogging for blogging. We were blogging for traffic. Now we didn't think we were blogging for traffic, but we were blogging for traffic. Right. And, 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 and so without realizing it, so much of what's happening on websites today is happening for traffic and in, in, in a hundred different ways, we use traffic as a measurement with a subset of search. How many people have said on Twitter, LinkedIn, or elsewhere, if you're not generating two thirds of your traffic or more, and I've even seen someone who said, if you're not generating 80% of your traffic via organic search, you are doing something wrong. Right? Hmm. Have you seen those? I mean, maybe not 80%, but you've seen people uh, no, saying Yeah, no, I, I, yeah I, I've absolutely seen people saying it. Well, why? 
So here's a question for you. Why does search matter? I think for certain businesses, it does matter. For certain businesses, it doesn't. What is search? From a tactical perspective, from a business tactics perspective, what is search? From a marketing mix perspective, so, what is search? So for, from a business impact or from a business perspective, I think it's being able to address a question or create, address a question when somebody has it. Fill a void when somebody doesn't that, have the answer. That's what a blog does, but that's not search. Search is, from a pure marketing mix perspective, it is a distribution and promotion tactic for content. That's all it is, right? If you write a blog post and there's no one there to read it, did you really write a blog post, right? So, so if you don't know anybody and you want people to read your blog post, well, what's the, what's the best, simplest, easy way, easiest way to get people to, to, to find your blog? Well, search, right? Now, two things have happened though. But you also have to know what they're searching for, but yeah. Okay, two, two things have happened. One is the, the nature of search has fundamentally changed. Search used to be a wide open, smartest player wins the game. And while the algorithms have gotten far smarter, the ecosystem has gotten far tighter, right? And, and you can read Moz, you can read Fishkin, you can read anything. Um, Megan uh, Anderson from HubSpot, who, who wrote a great blog post. We're trying to get her scheduled. You know, she basically talked about the future of content. She, she talks about this. You know, the, the game of search has changed. You know, look, at, um, Nick Holland, the, the GM of the Marketing Hub product, just wrote a post on Medium about how HubSpot has changed its attitude towards ads. Yep, um, I, I, I yeah. did read that. Now, for, for all of the ads can be inbound too, why did HubSpot change their attitude towards ads and it's now a core part of the product? Because the market, the market needed it. Because you can't win at search. Search has yeah. changed. It is, it is a hundred times harder to drive search traffic today. So if you want to play search, play search. Second thing, what are all the algorithms focused on? It's all about intent. Mm -hmm. That's what the algorithm is looking for. It's looking to find intent. Well, here's the funny thing. We call search demand generation. We call it a demand generation tactic, right? Well, guess what? Intent isn't demand generation, it's right. demand it's capture. Demand the, by, by, right, exactly, by the time somebody has shown intent. So, so like, what's your biggest problem with search? Your biggest problem with search is people don't have intent because they don't know about what you do, why you do it, what, what matters, right? And so, and, and like, I mean, this client that I'm working with in Greensboro, we were talking about this, we're gonna be very much account-based. There's 2,000 companies in the world that can buy from them. They do something very different. It's, it, it, it is highly disruptive. And it's like, why do we care? So he actually asked me the question. This is what, this is what um, provoked the blog post. He's driving me to the airport. And he says, Doug, as we do this, what role does search play? 
and I know I said why I don't care about blog traffic and now we're on to why I don't care about search traffic, but I promise you it'll, it'll come back to the blog. What, what I said to him, I said, do you, want, you want me to answer that candidly? He goes, yeah. I go, now do you want me to give you the answer to like what the optimal best answer is? Or do you want, want me to give you the answer that's most likely to be acceptable? He goes, no, I want the best answer. I said, I wouldn't spend two seconds thinking about it. He said, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, first off, think about it. It's a distribution and promotion tactic, right? Geared more and more to intent. And what we've identified is the biggest barrier to their growth is because once people are looking for what they do, they're buying the stat, you know, they're, they're ingrained they're in the status, status quo. quo. Right. So yep. we are going to optimize traffic to become aware of you after, you know, when it's too late. He's like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Now, now I said to him, if we do everything right, if we're doing the right things, then we should see search grow. But, but only because it grows. Only, only as a byproduct of what we're doing, not as a measurement of what we're doing. So, so here's where the problem of traffic comes in. So do I care about traffic? Of course I care about traffic. But, but here's what I realized. Like, take a look at what, what's your number one blog post? Do you know what your number one traffic blog post is? Uh, I do. It is. Uh, I bet you it has nothing to do with your product or what you do. It, it actually does. It's the um, 11 email marketing or uh, 11 email marketing best practices. Okay. Is, you know what mine is by um, far? And number two is the. Uh, is about five it's about 10 time optimization so do you know what my you know by far my number one traffic blog post is year in no. year out 25 motivational quotes for salespeople. by the way here's the funny thing year in year out my number one blog post was written by somebody other than me which i think is kind of sort of funny um given how much of the blog i've written but, but how, how valuable is that post for me? Probably not very valuable. It, I don't it, know. It's not, it's not valuable. I mean, from a traffic standpoint, it's not valuable. How much, tra how much of that traffic matters? Let, let me ask you a question. Who comes to that blog post looking to solve a problem around customer acquisition or customer success? Even if they're the right person, they're not, they're coming for something else. Right. Put it on March 18th, 2014. And it is on the second page of Google search. What's that? Your blog post. Okay. Well, whatever. It's still my number one traffic blog. If I, if I did, yeah. Motivational quotes for salespeople. Um, now, my, 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 my point about this, I, I don't have any problem with that. I and mean, we should write those. I mean, it, it was a light post. We, we try to mix in some light posts. It, it makes all the sense in the world. The problem though is, so, so I say to him, if we do everything right, then search should increase. But search doesn't increase Search increasing doesn't mean we, we're doing everything right. Yep. So this is where marketers fuck it up. 
they say, well, yeah, let's measure search. Let's just measure it, right? Because if we're doing it right, like it doesn't need to grow hugely, but we want to see it grow because, you know, if it doesn't grow, then, then, then that's telling us something. Which, which, by the way, I get it. Logically makes all the sense in the world. And this, this is where I think sales and marketing is, is creating their own. I think, I think they're committing um, Harry Carey, right? Self-mutilation. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> what, what, what are we doing here? We, we, are, we have become, and this is funny coming from the metrics guy. And you're going to love this because you're going you're gonna to tell me about Dave Gerhardt. You're going to tell me about Drift. You're going you're gonna to go to all that. And it's not scalable and, and attribute, you know, because that's every time I bring this stuff up, you go, that's where you go. Um, we, have become, we have become metrics obsessed. And we begin to look at moving the number, not having the impact. And we don't do it because we mean to but we do it because that's how the brain works. That's how humans work. Um, everybody wants to win. And so if we use a metric of traffic and if traffic goes up, that's good. If traffic goes down, that's bad, right? If you measure traffic, unless you state something and really reinforce it specifically, um, that's how we're going to look at it, right? Traffic up, good. Traffic down, bad. Otherwise, why are we looking at it? Right? Do you agree with that? I, I don't know why you feel that I would argue with you on that point. No, no. No, no. I think you would agree. Right? Yeah. Just making sure that I'm not oversimplifying. I want to make sure I'm being fair. Because I'm a fair guy, Mike. You know that. Well, if traffic up is good then I'm going to be motivated to write 25 inspirational quotes for salespeople. I might not write 25 inspirational quotes for salespeople, but I'm going to be motivated to move towards 25 inspirational quotes for salespeople. Right. I, in, in, in researching this blog post um, several years ago, this would have been like 2008. I basically said, I don't care how many come to my website. I care who. Yeah, the quality versus quality. I don't, I don't care how many rocks get turned over. I care who's under the rocks. Well, the problem is quality traffic is a minute subset of traffic. It's a fraction of your traffic. It's a minute fraction. Right. Yes, absolutely. Real right. deals that are going to close from a sales perspective, it's, it's, it's uh, I'm, you know, depending on the, your volume of sale, things like that, it can be a minute number of the number of deals that you have. Now, now don't, it, don't it, get it, wrong. It's it, marketing. Uh, in, in, in the fairness of, you know, I always worry about where, where, where are we communicating, you know, this one solution for all and where does it not fit? You know, if, if you're HubSpot, if you're, if you're a $100 million company looking to become a billion-dollar company, a billion-dollar company looking to become a $10 billion company, then, then what I'm talking about right now doesn't matter. I mean, that doesn't apply because um, 
HubSpot's blog, which, which I, I will say, and I, I hope I don't make enemies of, of my HubSpot friends, because um, I think they do extraordinarily good work. I, I just think candidly, the quality of the blog has gone down. Um, and, it, and it feels a little bit more like it's blog for traffic than, than yeah, it used quant to. Quantity, quantity versus quality. Now, now I know them and they're very data-driven and, and they're usually really smart about data-driven and, and I know Megan, um, this is her area, so um, Megan, when you're on the show, we'll talk about it. But, but one, of the, one, one of the points to make here is if you're a HubSpot, creating awareness is, is valuable because of, of the size and scale they are. And, and candidly, I'll say there are things that I do. So like we do this podcast, right? Do you know what I've never looked at? I probably should, but you know what metric I have never looked at with our podcast? Traffic. I have no idea how much traffic we get. I yeah, know I that listen to it or not, but what I, so, but I think if you are a SMB, before you sit down and write a blog post, there needs to be an end goal with it. And what I mean by that is before we even, we put together ideas and then we say, okay, what is the point of this post? Is it to, is it, is it to, to drive awareness? Is it to fill a gap in, in questions that people have? Can I use it as sales collateral? That's my biggest question. Can I actually take post and use it as a piece of sales collateral when somebody calls me and asks me a question or I'm following up after a demo or something along those lines, can I send them this blog post and they will therefore get more value out of it. So, so when, when you say that I'm, this post is for awareness, how do you measure it? It's very hard. I don't agree with you. I think it's actually very easy. Is it driving the act? Well, is it driving the action that we want the person to take, which is... What action do you want somebody to take if the goal is awareness? Hit more pages on the site, download, you know, a guide. That's engagement. That's engagement. Oh, that's true. Okay. So tell me how to measure it. I don't. I don't so, measure a blog post for awareness. I measure a blog for awareness, but I don't measure a blog post for awareness. Um, here, here's, here's how I know I've got a good blog. Um, how many times do I touch it? Yeah. That's how what many times... I use this as a piece of collateral or is it something that I can go back to cut and paste from it, you know, et cetera. But, but here's one of the things that I do, right? I, I mean, I mean, one thing we, we, you know, we, we've mapped a journey. We, we, we've got a picture in, in mind. And what I know is when it comes to awareness, there's aspects of awareness that if I look at the data I'm going to drive the wrong decision because here's what I know. I know Makes 25 sense. motivational quotes isn't the thing, but I know 25 motivational quotes. Like if, if all I am is 
serious, 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 and I don't have 25 motivational quotes, I, I'm really happy, right? And, and so what, what I'm looking at is blogging is a it, content, is an ongoing discipline of, 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 what, of what we're looking to do. And, and in the totality of, of progress, I don't want to attribute every action that I take, right? The more I look to attribute, the more I'm likely to fall into some rules-based cookie cutter. That's what's happened. I mean, that, that's what the inbound agency world has become is this rules-based okay, cookie cutter. What, okay. So here, here's one of the fundamental challenges though. And I, and I, obviously your opinion would be interesting here. I'm the CEO of a company. I hire an agency or I hire a content writer to be part of my team. I'm spending a significant amount of my sales and marketing budget on content marketing. Every quarter, I'm going to say, what is this doing for me? Every quarter from flushing out money, throwing out money. What is this doing for me? What is content doing for me? Yes. What is content doing? What is this blog post doing for me? What is is content doing for me? What is, you know, what, what are the right areas of measurement? Um, how many times does a salesperson utilize a piece of content? I, I absolutely 100% love that. Actually, I need to see something here real quick. Hey, is our, uh, the PDFs that we had created historically, whether they were data sheets, case studies, et cetera, we never, ever, we put everything online so that it's a trackable link to see how often that was being utilized. And I bet you a lot of organizations don't do that. Yeah, I don't do that. Because then otherwise, how do you tell that a sales rep is using the blog or the content? Well, well, a trackable link doesn't tell you if a salesperson is using the content. Your trackable, trackable link tells you how many clicks you get on it, how many people visit well, the blog. Yeah. Well, you can obviously create a secondary link that just goes to your sales team. Yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't, so, so what, you know what, and, and I just looked at this, uh, HubSpot, take a listen to this. You know what's missing in snippets that, that they have in templates? I think they have it in templates, but they're missing in snippets. Hmm. It should track how many times a snippet is used by him. It's a good idea. Right? How many times do we use a snippet? I mean, here, here's one question. Do we, is, is the blog worthy of a snippet? Um, how many, so, so how many times is the salesperson using the salesperson using the content, right? Yep. How many people, and I'm actually, we're actually working on, on programming this. I don't know if we're going to be able to. And I know when I say this, I'm probably going to get inundated with a whole bunch of sales enablement technology that starts, oh, we can do this. But um, how many, how many MQLs, how many SQLs, how many opportunities, how many customers visited? Touched a piece of content. Touched. And what, what pieces of content did they what touch? What content they touched. Right. Um, how many people 
So like with this company we're working with in North Carolina, we're going we're gonna to be tracking. So we're, we're going to have their target companies. We're going to be able to track what their web behavior is there. We're also going to track how many people from a target company view something. And, and what the way we look at it is more, we look at it more through the prism of categories as opposed to each individual blog post because like there's a blog post that I use frequently and it's traffic sucks because pretty much the only reason you would even want to click on it is because right. I put it in, it, it is a very specific deals with a specific issue. Um, that is not search friendly, that's not referral friendly, it's not anything friendly. And so if I talk about traffic, you can't tell me we wanna drive traffic, but driving traffic isn't our primary objective. Right? Yep. You can't tell me that. Right? Now, here's something that you can do. And, and by the way, this is, this is how HubSpot works. This, this is, is actually, how, as soon as we get off this podcast, you just kind of screwed my night plans because I'm going to go off and look at all of our recent MQLs, SQLs, closed well, deals, figure out who actually touched a piece of content. Well, well like, like one thing I'm looking at is, 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 is MQLs, SQLs. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not talking about attribution. I'm not, I'm not going, no, I mean, no, I realize. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no. attribution is, is an impossible thing. What I'm far more interested in is seeing what's the trend. And I wish I could get, I wish I could get this in a dashboard report right now. What's yeah. the trend of my SQL engagement on, on, on the blog, on the website, on, on, on different things. I care. I would care greatly about that. When I come in and go, Oh, Hey, guess what? You're setting a record for traffic this month. Here's the problem. My marketing team, no offense to my marketing team, my marketing team sees that and they go home and they go, we're doing a great job. You see that? Our traffic's up like 35% this year. Yes. And I go, what does that mean? <laughs> right. Wait, I, there, there's an agency that you and I know about. We know them well. Their goal, a million website visits a month. That's where they want to be, a million a month. And I go, Why? Right, because here's what I know. The more I go to attract a million, and I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong. I don't know what their strategy is. For all I know, it's, the, it's brilliant. But the more I go to a million, well, I'm going to go against, I'm, I'm, I'm going to become less relevant to, to my audience. So the reason that I don't care about blog traffic is because if I put blog traffic in front of you, if I put a piece of data in front of you, there better be a reason for it. If I, let me actually change this. If I put a metric in front of you, there better be a reason for it or it's going to accidentally incentivize the wrong behavior. Well, I think... I don't, I, I don't know where you came up with earlier that I was going to disagree with any of this. It, 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 this holds no. every part of, I think, almost every aspect of every metric 
I shouldn't say that, but a lot of metrics that are tracked by both sales and marketing have this exact same problem. Think about, think about an email list. When somebody comes to me and says, I have a 500,000 contacts, I'm like, that's great. How many of them actually are, are engaging with you? Just because you have a massive email list doesn't, it, it doesn't mean anything. Now, here, here's what large, I'm sorry, go on. You were still and, talking. And, and, and so I'll give you a perfect example in, in the world of, of enterprise tech sales for a startup. Enterprise tech sales. I, in multiple companies, and still, I know plenty of friends that this is the way that they are still gold very early on in the company's life. They are gold on how many meetings did you go on this week? Like how many face-to-face meetings did you go on this week? And every sales rep goes, fuck, why am I still measured on how many meetings I went on this week versus how many quality meetings did I go on? And so they have MBOs around that. They, if they blow away their revenue numbers and they didn't go on the, the, the right number of meetings every week, their compensation gets slashed versus, hey, instead of going on 10 meetings this week, I could have gone on three. And the time that I would have spent driving around going to the other seven, I could have built a better strategy of how do I go find those next three. Correct. So, yeah. We should do a, a whole thing around metrics and why a lot of them are broken. But, but I agree. It also, it also informs that as a salesperson, if I'm said, go on 10 meetings this week, this is, this is what, what I would see happen all the time. I'm a sales rep. I have to go on 10 meetings this week, even though I know I'm going to blow out my number, but I have to go on 10 meetings every week. So guess what I do? I schedule lunches and dinners with, resellers that I know are never going to do anything with me or maybe in three years they might. So I literally just wasted the company's money. I just wasted my time. Well, and, 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 and the problem that's, that, that's actually worse than that is that, that that's actually very sophisticated, nuanced, evolved thinking because the focus, you, you can't tell me to be focused on customer acquisition, you know, acquire new customers and be focused on meetings one of those two is going to play over the other. Yep. You know, I, I, make, you know, 50 phone, make 50 phone calls today. Okay. I'll well, call, 50, I'll call 50. Fax you, know, you know, you know, they, 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 they used to say um, customer success. They used to say um, number of calls you could handle per day and call time were, were the most important, right? That's how you knew you had a good, efficient customer service set up. And so everything got done to reduce call time and, and you were, and, and customer service reps were pressured to increase the number of people that they talked to. Except then they realized that the number that actually matters is one called dispositions. How many things can be settled on one call that never need any other follow-up? That that was actually the key metric. That and all of a the sudden call. they realized that was where the real cost was coming in. Well, and, and, and so what they found was is that their, their best customer success reps or service reps, whatever you want to call them, we're actually doing the fewest calls because they were getting it taken care of, right? And so they'd spend an hour on a call and someone else had 20 calls. Yep. Right. Now, here's where you can so violate. On that, on that note, I, so I'm not going to name them on this, but a very large company that we do work with, 
They've got a huge sales organization. They used to measure everybody on calls and talk time. Now they've come up with their own metric, which is calls per minute, which is exactly what you just said, which is, hey, if you made 10 phone calls, but they were all 45 minutes long, that means you're having valuable conversation. So I'm not going to penalize you for not making, you know, hitting your goal of CPM on a single day, on an every single day basis, because there's, there's kind of two metrics in play with one another. Now, sure, you can figure out ways to game that system, et cetera, but I think it's very much a similar. similar Actually, that's approach. a shitty system too. Well, <laughs> don't you want to know why? Again, there's multiple ways you can game the system. Actually, but I'm going to tell you why it's a shitty system really quickly right, because, because the problem is it's still, th th this is, this is why the buyer has changed and the seller is still falling behind is because we're still using the metric as call. And you know what? I realized this. So like I've been working with this, with this company. This is the longest or pretty close to the longest in Imagine's history. They've been, they, they, our first opportunity got in the pipe more than two years ago with this company that we just closed. Right. Um, I had calls with them, but I had a lot of tech. Like I knew, like you want to talk about momentum? Here's what I knew I had momentum. I'd get texts from them and we text back and forth and, and we would, we probably got more advanced with texts than we did calls. Right. And so it's just, you know, and that's why our, you know, we, we have this metric meaningful conversation, which I act, but I want to get back to, to where you can violate the rule that I'm talking about. Cause there's actually a bigger rule for what I am talking about that really hits um, the point, which is one team, one metric, right? If you are, you know, larger marketing organizations and larger sales organizations too. So, so if you look at a HubSpot, you have a, you have a traffic team. You know, they used to call it the top of the funnel. I don't, I don't know where they call it now. I don't know where, where in their, um, in their flywheel it is, but you know, and, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's the, uh, it's the awareness attention team. Right. And your job is to drive traffic, right? You're thinking traffic, traffic, traffic. Then you have, let's just say an engagement team, a conversion team or something like that, right? Your job is to drive conversion and to drive, you know, and then, then you have the, the engagement team that, that, that's generating conversations. And so what's happening is traffic's being driven and they're focused on traffic, traffic, traffic. They're focused on conversion, conversion, conversion. They obviously want conversion to go higher. So they're looking at the traffic pattern to say, and, and I always say one, one problem with conversion is it's a bad metric because the best way to increase conversion rates is to decrease traffic. Right? Yep. Right. And, and now you, you get tighter and tighter, but, but now you're not spreading the net fully. So if I have one team that's motivated for traffic, another team that's motivated for conversion, they are working in conflict and yeah, constructive conflict with each other. Yeah. Right. Then, then conversation. And so one team, one metric, one team, one metric, one team, one metric. But if you say, I want traffic, even if you say, I want moderate improvement in traffic and you say, I want conversations. Well, well, which metric am I focused on? I, I'm going to tell you that, that, that humans are built to focus on the most dynamic metric. And the most dynamic metric is the, is the higher, more frequent, more volatile metric, which is especially in a, which is going to be traffic, no doubt. Which is going to be traffic. And, you know, you, know, you think about an enterprise. 
but it's also incredibly easy to measure. What's incredibly easy to measure? Oh, right, 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 right. But, yeah. but, but so the point becomes like, so like here, here's the problem. If you say, well, we want to grow certain, like if I, if my client in Greensboro were to say, I, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the CEO were to come along and go, yeah, Doug, we're, we're account-based. I get it. We, we need to be focused on that, but we need to grow search traffic because I read somewhere that you're supposed to grow search traffic or, or for whatever reason, right? The problem becomes if I focus on, on account relevance and search doesn't go up, what do I do? Do I get yelled at about that? Do I get yeah, Absolutely, you're going to get yelled at. Right. So, so, so then what am I going to do? I'm going to then go and I'm going to focus on search. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to focus on search. Now I'm not focusing on... Right. For the reason of focusing on search. Yeah. Right? And so I would rather not pay attention to the metric than, than be influenced by the wrong metric. If, if I'm not driving a result, I can always go back and see what that number is. And again, don't get me wrong. Do we track traffic? Of course we track traffic. But, but what is it for? It's, it's for a baseline. What, what we, you know, if we see something happening that we're not driving a result and we see something like, hey, we're getting less engagement here and traffic's down, then we might go, huh, what's going on? But I can tell you that in times that we've seen real engagement dial in, we tend to see flat traffic patterns. We don't, we don't typically see lost traffic patterns, but I will tell you what we do see. Like we'll come into a lot of companies, generating lead, generating lead, generating lead. And the first thing we'll do is we'll change the approach and the lead volume dries up. That freaks the hell out of them. But the problem was they were getting shitty leads. They were getting wrong leads. I, I, could, I could go with a $1,000 budget tomorrow and, and turn up my lead volume utilizing social if I really wanted to. Right. What, one, of the, one of the first things we did. Nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, one, one of the first things I did when I started using HubSpot was I created a term called um, lead yield. Because I, I was fascinated that, you know, you had this lead category and then you had marketing qualified lead. And I'm like, well, well, wait a second, there's something missing here. How many of the leads that we generate are qualified? Right, so we actually generated, the first thing I did was I generated, I created a qualified lead category so that a lead would come in and then would it go to qualified lead or not? And if it wasn't a qualified lead, then I didn't really generate a lead, right? And then we watched, you know, then what I care about is what, what's the volume of qualified leads? You know, that my, my yep. lead generation team is responsible for generating increased volume of of qualified leads, volume, not conversion, right? And so from time to time, do we, I mean, of course, do we look at traffic? Yes, of course we do. Do, do we look at which, which blogs get traffic? We're, we're, we're actually more likely to look at which blogs that are getting this action get more traffic, right? We will also begin to look at um, as, as a, I mean, now we've got thousands of blogs, so we're not, the typical company, we will look at certain things. So like we looked at the 25 motivations posts and we said, okay, this thing's generating a whole bunch of traffic. It had like a 98% bounce rate. I, I think we got it down to like a 93% bounce rate, which is pretty amazing, 
right? If you, if you think about that, because there's only a fraction of the traffic coming to that blog via search that meaningful that matters, but it's like, okay, this is a traffic generating post. How can we take that and pull people in? Right. So, so we'll begin to do those things. But, but the point of this is we fall into this, going back to the very beginning of the conversation, we fall into this pattern of, of traffic, traffic, traffic. We fall into this pattern of because we can measure, we're trying to measure everything. And, and we're th- like the worst thing that, that happens when you become data backed. And actually there's a term that someone, I heard someone use that I'm now trying to use more. Um, it's evidence-based, not data-backed, evidence-based. I like that so much more. Yeah. Um, we, we feel like everything needs to have a metric. And, and the more you study where awareness forms, the more you realize you can't really measure it because it happens in, 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 I mean, awareness is forming before someone even knows they're aware of what they're becoming aware of. And, and though, if I've learned one thing from, this, from some studies that we completed recently, it is that if you look at 98% of what happens in your life and you think about why that happened, you're wrong 99% of the time. The reason shit happens is rarely the reason we think shit happens. We, <laughs> and, and, and so we create all these metrics that, that create this illusion of certainty and, and we're optimizing our way away from being real. And we've talked about this in other places before, and that is what is opening the door for all of this automation to put us out of business because we're basically, we're becoming tools of our analytics and automation packages rather than making our analytics and automation packages tools tool for you. what we're doing. Yep. And so I will leave everybody on that note. Don't be a tool. Until <laughs> uh, next time, Doug. I think you gave me some homework though. There you go. Now we just need to figure out how we can track this stuff. Yeah, exactly.